Are you guys ready? Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So did you guys stop and think about what a cold open was? No. Do you have any idea what a cold open is? No. no. Anybody want to put forth an idea as to what a cold open is? Nope. What? Uh, your mom. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. She's cold. She's yeah, and and she's open. She's open. No, she's not open. Campfire Compendium. I'm your host, Dad, with my lovely, wonderful, super intelligent, smartest, best kids in the world, Leela and Nora. Hello. Hello. And today we are going to be talking about the alien abduction of Barney and Betris. Betty Hill. Betty. Barney is a dinosaur in our imagination. Ma- mom is mom is Barney. Our mom is Barney. AKA, AKA dad's wife. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to be talking about the abduction of Barney and Betty Hill today. All right, and so here we go. Driving along the dark, winding roads of New Hampshire, south of Lancaster, we find Betty and Barney Hill returning from their vacation in Niagara Falls in Montreal, Canada. It's about 10.30 at night. On September 19th, 1961, and the Hills are about to become unknowing participants in what would be called the Zeta Reticuli Incident, or as we're just going to call it, the Hill Abduction. Okay? Okay. As the Hills drove along U.S. Route 3, Betty saw a bright point of light in the night sky. At first, she thought it was a falling star. The only problem is this was moving up, not down. Because things don't fall up. Of course. <laughs> things fall it's, down. Imagine she was in space, though. Imagine that was like, that was like a space planet that had oxygen as a uh, Earth. That would be completely normal. 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 <laughs> All right. So the problem is it was moving up and not down. As she watched, the light grew bigger, brighter, and it began to move more erratically. She urged her husband, Barney, to pull over for a better look and to walk their small dog that they'd taken on the vacation with them. Barney pulled over at a scenic picnic area just south of Twin Mountain. Taking out a pair of binoculars, Betty observed what she believed was an odd-shaped flying craft with flashing multicolored lights. Was it triangle or circle? Well, we'll get to it, but it was circular. We're talking... Whenever we talk about UFO lore... Right. Yeah. Being as this was, this was my old school favorite stuff was UFOs. It was flying saucers, so it was discs and circles, right? And then somewhere frisbee, right? Well, and somewhere in like the eighties, nineties is when they became more triangle. Oh. Yeah. So like nowadays, you hear a lot about triangular craft, and then it's like the flying saucers are smaller. It's it's the lore has gotten weird, but I still as the only thing that. I think it is. It's not triangle. 
circle. It's a circle. Well, let's proceed with the story. Okay. Okay. Okay, so several years earlier, Betty's sister had claimed to have seen a flying saucer. So this is why Betty now thought that's what she was seeing. Barney just thought it was a normal plane heading towards Vermont, or maybe even on to Montreal where they had just been. Right? Yeah. However, he changed his mind when the craft started coming towards them and descending. Right? That's when he realized this plane wasn't a plane. What's descending? Coming down. Oh. And so if you're ascending, you're going up. If you're descending, you're going down. Right? What about going straight? Sending? You're just you're just sending it. The hill said they got back in their car and continued driving through Franconia Notch, which is a major mountain pass through the White Mountains of New Hampshire. They drove slowly so they could better observe the object as it came even closer towards them. They saw the object come out near the old man of the mountain. Betty said the object was at least one and a half times the length of that cliff face, which was about 40 feet. Now, reading how they put that, I don't know if she meant that it was 40 feet after the math or if the cliff face was 40 feet. Wait, hold up. So that means, hold on. So if the cliff face was 40 feet, it's one and a half times bigger, so it would have been 60 feet, which is actually longer than our house. Oh. By a little bit. What happened to the dog? The dog's still in the car just chilling out. So the dog will it's be a, safe. It's a dachshund. Bro, I guess they, bro, I guess I they were like, please keep your dog in there. Can I have a picture of your, of the dog? I will find a picture of the dog for you afterwards. Yes. It was just a, a dachshund. I don't know what a dachshund A wiener dog. I want a Pomeranian. It's like a, it's like a hot dog that comes with legs and no bun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I want a baby Pomeranian. <sighs> They're so cute. Betty also said the craft seemed to be rotating and bouncing back and forth in the night sky, so kind of spinning because it's a flying saucer, like right? A, like a frisbee slash. Um, right. They're on a trinopolis. Trampoline. <laughs> trinopolis means trampoline. Uh, that sounds very Greek. Trinopolis. <laughs> About one mile south of Mount. Pemigewasset, the object rapidly descended towards their vehicle, causing Barney to stop the car in the middle of the road. The huge craft floated silently above their car. It was so big, it filled the entire front of the windshield. So if you're Whoa. looking outside the car, it was just nothing but spacecraft. Oh, right? so I'm was it bigger than the, the car? Really oh, right totally bigger than the car. Uh, huge. I mean, is our house bigger than a car? And this craft, yeah. in theory, was a little bit bigger than our house. Mm. So... You start. Are you starting to get the scale of this flying spacecraft? Yeah. Wait. Oh. Oh my. What? Tell me think of the scale. <laughs> Anywho, leaving the relative safety of his vehicle, Barney approached the object using the binoculars. Barney could see about eight to eleven humanoid or humanish people like. Right. So two legs. Remember how we talked about Bigfoot? Yeah. Bigfoot's also considered humanoid because kind of walks on two legs. Humanish, humanoid. Yeah. It could be a fish person. It could be a lizard person. It could be a Nora person. <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> Bruh. I see you right now, bro. All right, so he saw these humanoid figures wearing shiny black uniforms and caps peering back at him from the windows of the spacecraft. 
Suddenly, all but one of the figures moved towards controls on the back wall, and the one remaining figure continued to look at Barney. In his mind, Barney could hear the somehow not-human figure say, stay where you are and keep looking. The being had communicated with him telepathically, or kind of like a brain radio. So, yeah. like, if I just stare at you, you hear what I'm saying? Can you, I hear what you're saying, and you're grounded. <laughs> I, was, I was literally saying. I don't appreciate I, that type of language in my brain. Yeah, I was literally saying what? Wait, what? That's what I was saying, bro. <laughs> but yeah, so whenever you talk about telepathically so, speaking, so technically he cannot do telepathics. Yeah, well, there's a lot of uh, whenever you talk about alien abductions a lot. There's always like they talk to me without talking. I could hear them in my head. They're like, yeah, they were mm-hmm. chill, bro. We're gonna poke at you a while. Is basically, you know, every time somebody gets abducted. They wanted to chill, have science <gasps> experiments. Hold up. It's strange planet. It is strange planet. All right. So that being had communicated with him telepathically or a brain radio. As the hills watched, red lights from what appeared to be bat wing shaped fins came out of the side of the craft and a long structure began descending from the bottom of it. So like a tube coming out of the bottom, right? Maybe something, some sort of structure coming out of the bottom of the spacecraft. And the bill, the hills began to hear a buzzing sound as the silent craft began approaching. Barney ran back to the car, and they sped off away from the craft. As they drove, they could hear beeping and buzzing coming from behind them. The entire car felt electrified, causing a mild tingling sensation. The couple began to feel drowsy as the rhythmic beeping continued from the trunk. <gasps> Wait, they shrunk it down and put it in the trunk. <laughs> what did they put in the trunk? The spacecraft. They were like, oh, let's shrink down. Okay, wait, there's a tiny hole. Let's go in the trunk. Mm. The key lock, probably. <laughs> the and, key. Then, and, then they, and then they went a little bigger so, it was, so they would hear it and they were like, well, you know they what? Me, they were like, I'm with you. that? I'm I'm with you. All right. So two hours later, the Hills woke up about 35 miles down the road from where they had seen the craft. They continued driving home to Portsmouth, arriving sometime around dawn. As they unpacked from the trip, they realized the leather strap of the binoculars had been ripped, and so had the hem, zipper, and lining of Betty's dress. The toes of Barney's shoes had scuff marks on the top as if he'd been dragged. The lid of the car's trunk had shiny circles on it that caused a compass to spin wildly. As they tried to piece together the events of the night, they realized their four-hour drive home had actually taken about six hours. Six hours? Yeah, so it should have taken them four hours, had taken about six hours. Days after the event, Betty began to have vivid dreams where her and Barney encountered a roadblock, and they were surrounded by men. She lost consciousness, but came to being led by two small men in the forest. She saw Barney walking behind her and called out to him, but it looked like he was in kind of a dream state, right? He was sleepwalking. Sleepwalking, yeah. Zombified. <gasps> zombie. <laughs> Z- sleeping zombie Barney. Zombie. Sleeping zombie Barney. <laughs> All right. So she saw Barney walking behind her in what looked like a dream zombie kind of state, right? And the men leading them were wearing matching blue uniforms and military cadet-style caps. 
They were about five foot four, five foot six, so shorter than me. I'm about six foot even. I'm about five. I'm seven foot. Yeah, about yeah, probably about your size. I'm seven foot. You are seven foot. foot. You are a a freakishly huge child. You're four. It's it's really because you're a thirty two year old man who's flunked the third grade multiple times. No, no, actually, I flunked the third grade every time. Every time. So that means. Wait, he just called you dumb. <laughs> anyway. Uh, like a million times or something? Anyway. I don't know. They were five foot four to five foot six feet tall with dark hair, dark eyes, prominent noses, bluish lips, and grayish skin. They led her and Barney back to their car and suggested they watch the craft leave before they drove off. Like, hey, check out my sweet ride. Our ride is cooler than your ride. So why don't you go ahead and watch us leave in our spaceship Bugatti? <laughs> and then they literally they were like, bye bye. We got, ooh, I got the space bra- Gotti. They're like, we got the brand new one twos. <laughs> I didn't even think you know what you're saying. One, oh my gosh. One, two, fuck a machine. All right. It's, and so the hills did watch them take off, and then that's when they kind of came to, right? I would have watched the aliens. Too. Yeah, well, this wow. was all this was all her dream, remembering what had happened in her dream, right? I would, I would love to see. I would watch just fly by. Hi. Hey guys. Hi, I would like bye. be like. It was. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? Is it a bird plane? A plane. <laughs> Technically. No, no. But anyway, so even though they that Betty had been having these dreams, kind of explaining what had happened, kind of remembering what had happened, right? Yeah. Um, there's still the question of, well, what happened between in the car, walking back to the car, right? Yeah. So at one point, they were taken out of the car, and then they were walked back to the car, and in between Hold up. was still a mystery. How did the aliens get in the car? They weren't in the car. They were outside the car. No. No, they said they got pulled out of the car. They pulled... Okay, so they came to a roadblock, which is like a stop, right? Yeah. With they, what looked like soldiers. Did they, like, unlock the door or something? Well, yeah, they just said, you come out of the car. Like, you're, like you're stopped. No. It, so get out of the car. They look like... Right, you literally said that the aliens pulled them out of the car. How did the aliens... Did, did, did they, like, unlock the door for the aliens? That's what I'm saying. They didn't... Okay, the aliens didn't like physically pulled them out of the car, okay? So they just came to a roadblock, and the aliens, what we thought, think were aliens, right? Were dressed up kind of like soldiers. So they looked official, right? And they're like, probably like, hey, come out of the car. Now, everything that happened after that, remember, they don't remember. All they remember is now being led back to their car by the same people. There's literally just the four Bigfoot guys. It was it was four little foot guys. Yeah. Exactly, the four Bigfoot guys are now trying just grew just Micro, lost microfoots. Yeah, they yeah they just grew lost a little inches and then dressed up like that and so now so they're like we like the our owner is okay. the claw. Well, let's let's continue with our extraterrestrial activities here, and let's get to how how do we remember what happened? All okay. right, let's find the two hours. Okay. So on November 23rd, 1962, this was about three months after everything had happened, right? Yeah, probably. Um, 
Sorry, it would have been about a year and three months because this happened in 1961. Yeah. Okay, so on November 23rd, 1962, about a year and three months after the events, the Hills attended a meeting at the Parsonage of their church. The guest speaker was Captain Ben H. Sweat of the United States Air Force. And I'm going to read an excerpt from his account of the meeting he had with the Hills, okay? On 23 November 1962, I read some of my poetry to a meeting at the rectory of the Unitarian Church in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. I wasn't a member of that church and didn't know anyone there except the pastor. After my poetry reading, he said he had heard I was studying hypnosis, and they would like to hear more about that. Those who came for the poetry left, and a few remained for the hypnosis. I gave them a brief overview of hypnosis, including some of its uses and abuses. As I was about to leave, two people came up to me, introduced themselves as Betty and Barney Hill, and asked me if hypnosis could be used to recover lost periods of memory. I wondered why they had asked that question, because I had just mentioned in my talk, but I said, yes, that's one of the classical uses of clinical hypnosis. They started telling me about something that happened to them as they were driving home from Canada on the night of the 19th to 20th, September 1961. A light in the sky that seemed to follow them and then circled them and being stopped on the road and how they later realized they had a three-hour gap in their memories as they told their story. Barney's face kept twitching, like, spasmatically. Like this? Spasmodically? That means, like, half. Like this? No, spas- like, spasms. Like, he was twitching. Like, His yeah. face was twitching. That's what spasmodically my eye, like, right here just sometimes twitches because it's, it's like, my body twitches only, like... In one part of the house. Bro needs to see, like, the doctor. It wasn't until two years after these events that the Hills would walk in the office of Boston psychiatrist Dr. Benjamin Simon. Dr. Simon was an expert in therapeutic hypnosis. He'd used it to treat military psychiatric disorders during World War II. The Hills hoped hypnosis would help them remember the lost time they'd experienced the night of their encounter with the otherworldly craft. During these hypnosis sessions, the Hills remember being taken aboard the alien craft, separated into different examination rooms, and they were asked to lay on metal tables that weren't built for them. They were actually short enough to where Barney's legs hung off the side. The small, gray beings went on to perform medical testing and examinations on the Hills. They took clippings of their hair and fingernails and scraped their skin. Like, when you itch? Yeah, like, well... But they, like, it's actually, like... They probably just took off the dead skin. Right. Your body is in a constant state of, like, dead skin coming off and new skins behind it, right? Mm-hmm. You just have a, a quadrillion layers of skin. Yeah, exactly. You're always, your body You have seven layers of skin. Right, and those mm-hmm. seven layers are always replenishing, making new layers of skin. Like, you know how you get cut yeah. and it goes away? Yeah. Because your skin's replenishing, right? It goes really fast. Yeah, in some situations, yeah. All right? And so they took the scrapings of the skin, and at one point, the beings came rushing into Betty's room, excited because they had discovered that Barney's teeth were removable. He had false teeth. And she tried explaining aging to them, like the humans age and their teeth can get brittle and fall out. Wait. But they didn't understand the idea that She's, that happened. Wait, it's kind of like if Betty was like talking to minions. And she was like, oh, um, he aged, so he, those he old, so his teeth yeah. fall out. And then they're like, Barney wasn't that old. I think Barney was a little bit older than me. 
And so at one point, when Betty remembered being alone with who she called the leader of the group, she asked where they had come from. Like, where are you from? Because you're obviously not from here. Like, I don't know a lot about the universe, but you're not from Earth. He said, if you don't know where you are, right, because you don't know, you said you don't know much about the universe. So if you don't know where you are, there wouldn't be any point in telling you where I am or where I'm from. And so after a later session of them doing the whole hypnosis thing, Betty actually drew a map, a star map. And people say that star map shows where they were from, which is a pair of faint stars, 39.3 light years away from Earth, that we call Zeta Reticuli, which is why this is called the Zeta Reticuli incident. Oh. Because supposedly the star match, the star map matches up. All right. So now we're going to go ahead and move on. Let's talk about kind of what really probably happened with the hills that night. All aliens aside. Okay. Yeah. So first let's talk about the late night drive and the light in the sky. A resident of the area named Jim McDonald retraced the couple's drive and came to the conclusion they had misidentified an aircraft warning beacon as an otherworldly spacecraft. Oh, McDonald had a farm. E-I-E-I-O. He noted the beacon comes in and out of view along the road at the same point as the hills reported seeing the strange glowing light in the sky. So basically, as he's driving along the road, you see the beacon flashing, and it goes behind a mountain, behind some trees. It kind of comes in and out of view as yeah. you're driving and looking. Like when, at night, whenever we drive and we just see that right. red towel. Tower. Wait. Yeah. Uh, when, so, like, oh, yeah, so they were, like, so tired that they thought that was a, like, UFO. Right, and that, well, and that brings us up to the next point, is how could they misidentify a warning beacon as... A Wait, flying saucer or a like, UFO. What part are we on? Part three? No, we're on part two. Okay. We're at part two. We're at the talking about the facts. Okay. All right. So how could someone misidentify an aircraft warning beacon as a flying saucer? I don't know. All right. The Hills were driving back from their vacation in Montreal, which didn't actually go well. Barney didn't really want to go on it. Right. And then because they went to Montreal, people up there speak French, French Canadians. And so there was a language barrier, which made it stressful. Okay. And on top of that, they had run out of money. And so instead of staying another night up in the area, they decided to drive home. And so basically what they had done is they had spent done their vacation. They decided to just drive home. So they were tired from the day walking around doing vacation things. And they drove home on what was supposed to be a four hour drive. Right. And so they made this drive home and a UFO expert named Robert Schaefer said that the Hills themselves were actually poster children for not driving while sleep deprived. Meaning they should, <laughs> Barney shouldn't have been driving. He was way too tired. Right. Cause if, if they think that this over here is a spacecraft, neither one of them should be in a vehicle operating right now because they're obviously too tired that they're misidentifying normal warning lights. Right. But what about the aliens? Okay, and so they didn't really draw the aliens until years later when they were under hypnosis, right? Because remember, they had lost that time. So they had no idea about being on an alien spacecraft for, in theory, like two and a half years. They were like, yeah, because they like probably forgot or they like. Well, that was um, the whole thing is they were missing two hours, right? Yeah. For some reason, they couldn't remember two hours. It's like their memory had been erased. Wait, wait. Do they, like, see the aliens again? No. Okay. Well, but- So here's the whole thing, right? So basically, the thought is that 
They were taken aboard the spacecraft. These medical examinations were done on them, and the aliens erased their memories. Right? So they couldn't remember it happening. So anyway, what about the aliens? Okay. So in the 1990s, Martin Kopmeyer suggested that Barney's memories of what the aliens looked like um, actually were kind of deja vu after he had seen an episode of the TV show The Outer Limits. Specifically because of the way he drew the aliens and how their eyes shaped. He said that because the episode had actually aired like a day or so before he went in for hypnosis, he might have seen it on TV and then later on that's what he drew, right? Okay, and so the episode in question airs just days before they had actually gone for hypnosis, right? And Barney drew the aliens that he saw, okay? And so I'll show you those pictures. So the middle one is what he drew, and then the other two are from a couple of episodes of The Outer Limits. Ooh. So you see how you see how kind of the, sh the shapes, the faces are the same? Where's the drawing from? Did they like the the drawing that's the draw that's the drawing that Barney made after being hypnotized. But yeah, but so that's what he said. He drew that saying, "That's the aliens I saw." Wait, how did it go on like social media then? Social media didn't exist back then. They just kept records. So like people just kept the paper in boxes, dude. He can't draw. This was before computers existed. People didn't have smartphones. Okay. Then how did his watch break? Well, they they had watches forever. Like they have like not all watches look like my watch. It's not an Apple Watch. It oh, was yeah. just a circle with an hour and minute hand. There are watches that don't use batteries. Oh, yeah. You wind them, and there's a spring inside that makes it but, work. But I'm confused because how how do they still have how is that drawing on social media now? Because people scan them in the computers now that we have them. <gasps> what do you mean? How you did they good. scan it, like, bro? This is. Okay, so there's a whole bunch of records dating back forever, right? Mm -hmm. And since we have computers now and hard drives or ways to store stuff that are small instead of a giant bunch of boxes of papers, right? So imagine there are people out there whose job it is to scan papers. He still is really bad at drawing. Well, yeah, yeah. But, they, but these, what these people do is they scan papers into computers so that way we can save them for posterity because paper breaks down it deteriorates right there's papers that i scan and send to people like whenever i had to use roadside assistance for my car breaking down and get a tow yeah i just paid it and then i scanned the receipt with my phone because it was paper and then emailed it over to the insurance wait hold up what? what is so hard to understand? No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about wait, what the what's this Joe Barney was watching? Is it like still here? The Outer Limits? Uh, no, I think they might have been trying to revive it some years ago, but no, it was just a, it was a sci-fi show in the '60s. I was gonna look at it. I mean, we could probably find old episodes of it. We could probably find these episodes. I can't, yeah, because wait, so he's saying like the um, aliens looked like that from his show, right? Well, so what this guy's so saying, the okay, look like. So what he's saying, what um, Martin here is, is he's saying, is that so in the 1990s, so years later, this Martin Kottmeyer guy saw these episodes and he knew about this story because. UFO nerds are going to watch stuff about aliens. We're just going to, right? 
And so he saw this episode and he remembered how Barney's drawing from Hypnosis looked and went, those look familiar. And so then he looked at when the shows actually aired on television and was like, oh, well, he must have seen these because... Okay, so once again, you guys are young. And so you guys go and you turn on and click. That's the video I want to watch right now, right? Even whenever I was a kid, TV had a schedule. You didn't get to choose what was on. You would get a book that was called the TV Guide, and it would tell you what was on at what time. And so they'd be like, tune in next week, same channel, same time to watch our show, right? And so you would go to Channel 5 and watch The Outer Limits on Fridays at 7 o'clock, right? And so, like newspapers and magazines, TV shows that advertise, oh, come watch this new adventure show that's going to be on Tuesdays at 4 p.m. And so, since they schedule TV, you know, come watch this every night. What this guy is saying is that this, these episodes of this TV show were shown before Barney went in for hypnotized, to be hypnotized, right? Mm-hmm. And so, whenever he was hypnotized and drew the aliens he saw, he just drew the last aliens he saw, which were the ones on TV. Oh. So are you, are you starting to follow now? Is that <laughs> this guy, he never really was abducted. But because the story kept going, he drew these aliens that he's had seen on TV. That's why they look so much alike. Right? So, wait. Wait. So how about Betty? When she was like... Betty didn't draw the aliens. No. She she drew a star map, but didn't draw the aliens. When she saw the aliens, did she, like, tell Barney, like, about how they looks like? Well, that was, remember, they didn't remember the aliens. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, so their memory was erased, and they went and were hypnotized and got this two hours back. You also said that, uh, they, when they got home, they, they... They both drew pictures of the aliens to puzzle stuff together. They drew pictures of the spacecraft, like, to try to piece what had happened. Like, we saw this thing up in the sky. Oh. It wasn't super detailed, yeah. Okay. I know, yeah, this is just just how the story goes. But so they got more into details to what happened when they were hypnotized because the aliens tried to erase their memory of it, right? Mm Mm-hmm. The whole thought is that aliens erase their memories so they can't go tell everybody about the things we're doing, right? Because we're aliens. Like, that's the whole idea. But at least the aliens didn't hurt them. Right. They didn't turn them into, like, sawdust or ashes or goo. But the only cute thing about it was, like, how the aliens went into Betty's room with the, like, teeth. With the teeth? Yeah, I felt like it would be so cute. (laughs) But anyway... All right, so this guy said, hey, these aliens on TV look a lot like the aliens he drew, right? So he probably just drew the aliens he saw on TV. Whether he knew he was doing that or not, that's the aliens he drew. Show, All right. me, show me the one that looks like it has a mustache. <laughs> yeah. Wait, and then show me his drawing. His drawing just looks mad. Oh, he even added the little hat. He added the little hat. The little hat, yeah. It's It's not upside down. What? Yeah. So. And so, all right, getting to the last little part here before we get to our end. Okay. So finally, I want to talk about their hypnotist, Dr. Simon. So Dr. Simon was always a UFO skeptic, right? Did not believe in UFOs. 
All right. But he believed that, you know, he was still going to see all this through because their well-being, the well-being of his patients was more important than his own personal beliefs. Right. And so years later, during an appearance on TV on the Today Show, Dr. Simon was asked by the host, did you conclude that they actually went aboard a spacecraft or did you conclude that it was a fantasy? Simon said on camera, I concluded that it was a fantasy, as you put it. In other words, it was a dream. The abduction did not happen. I feel quite confident that there was a whole experience and an experience with the UFO if we clearly define that. So define what a UFO is. It does not involve visitations from outer space, but it does involve seeing an object which cannot be identified at the time, whatever it is, whatever it was. I think that did take place, but from there on, I think it was largely a dream. So even their hypnotist didn't believe, you know, that it was real. And and one thing I want to touch on also about hypnotism, right? You guys have seen hypnotism, right? They'll do it on shows where they hypnotize somebody and say, act like a chicken, and they act like a chicken, right? The whole idea with hypnotism is it's kind of like the power of suggestion, right? And so it's not so much that they might have relived what had happened, but because they thought it happened, they kind of convinced themselves it did, right? Yeah. Nora, Mm -hmm. it's like they gaslit themselves into believing that they were abducted by aliens. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? It's gas, gaslit. Do you Don't, mean like gaslight? Yeah, exactly. Gaslight. But I was like gaslit. Well, yeah, because it's you're if you you can light something or you lit something like that's past tense. Mm-hmm. Gaslit, gaslight, same thing, just past or present tense. Past. Wait, is it like gas, gassing? <laughs> that's that's different. <laughs> Gaslighting right. is that future? But, so here's the question: UFO. Or UF no. Okay. Today, today, there's a marker on Route 3 in Lincoln, New Hampshire, at the point where the Hills abduction allegedly took place. Ooh. Now, it notes that this was the first widely reported case of an alien abduction in the United States. But it also notes that the Hills never came forward publicly with their story until it was leaked to the magazine The Boston Traveler in 1965. So almost four years after the event has supposedly taken place. So that means that in theory, if this happened in 1961, they didn't talk about it to the general public, to like newspapers, magazines, TV shows until 1965, four years after it happened, right? Yeah. So they went on to tell their story in books, magazines, on television many times. And while a lot of people doubted that the Hills were actually abducted by aliens, they never doubted that their story was sincere, meaning they were telling a story that was true to them. Whether or not it was actually true, up for debate, but it was true to them what had happened. To kind of wrap things up succinctly, you know, they were driving home from their vacation. They saw this thing they couldn't identify. Next thing they knew, they were coming to 35 miles from where they thought they had seen this thing. And then they drove home. And then years later, they asked people about this event that had taken place. And then they were hypnotized. And they drew pictures of stuff that they might have seen somewhere else. Right? And then just drawn pictures of it from memory. Um, And this whole story kind of came about it. So, 
Do you guys think that this really happened, or do you think that it didn't happen? Um, or how do you define what it would happen? Like, do you think, do you think something did happen to them? Do you think it was aliens, or do you think it was something else? Probably it probably something dream. did probably happen to them, but I think it was something else. Uh, I would say it's like a dream because like the one of them I said like a guy saw like the watchtower and all, all right. this stuff kept, they were probably just hallucinating from being so tired from being so tired so you're, you're in the camp that they were they were just really tired and kind of seeing things yeah they were like dreaming Leela so you said that it was something else what do you think that something else was uh maybe it was maybe they just fell asleep they like got off the car to walk their dog then they like went to benches fell asleep and you know, I never did wrap back up with the dog. The dog. Exactly. What yeah, there was a blurb in one of the things I read for this where that did mention that when they had gotten back, they remember the dog being like in the back seat, kind of scared. Well, let's go ahead and give this episode a wrap. All right, I think we can talk a whole lot more about Betty and Barney Hill on the sidelines and things that happened because it's there's a lot of questions still left to be unanswered and a lot of answers that still might be looking for questions. Okay. All right, so be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, Pocket Casts, wherever you might find greater podcasts. Greater podcasts. <laughs> so do subscribe to the Campfire Compendium if you are not already. Wherever you're listening to it now, I'm sure you can subscribe. Uh, All right. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.